right, folks, here is the question. Are you ready to study God's word today? You've done better. Let's, 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 let's try that one more time now that you know. Okay. Are you ready to study God's word today? Now we're talking. It is the lamp for our feet, the light for our path. It's what we need, the foundation upon which we build our lives through the illumination of his Holy Spirit. And we are glad that you are here today because we have a guest speaker. Uh, this weekend, we hosted a maritime-wide children's ministry conference. We had people here from PEI and from Nova Scotia and throughout New Brunswick. And uh, together learning as churches how better to effectively reach the next generation for Jesus. And so uh, with that, we had a guest speaker who came to us all the way from another country called the United States. We'll love him anyway. We are so glad that, no, we are so glad that he is here. He is a renowned church ministry uh, leader and consultant who has helped some of the most effective churches in North America become even more effective at their mission. And we are honored to welcome him here today. Would you give a warm Moncton Wesleyan welcome to Dale Hudson? Thank you, Pastor. So awesome to be with you guys today. How many of you have heard of me before, or this is your first time hearing me? Raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you are here today? Raise your hand. How many of you hate surveys and wish I'd stop asking you to raise your hand? <laughs> I'm glad to be with you. I love coming to Canada. One reason I love coming to Canada is the speed limit. My son, he's uh, in college. He likes to drive fast. He has a sports car. And every time I'm in Canada, I love to take a picture of this uh, speed limit and go, look, dude, I'm this 100 is a speed limit. It's 100. Because in the States, that would be, you know, way, way fast. So great to be with you. We're going to dive right in this morning. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. Or if you have your Bible on your phone or your iPad, you can open up that app right now to Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Ephesians 3, verse 20, or the words will be on the screen as well. The book of Ephesians was written around 60 to 62 A.D. The Apostle Paul was writing back to the church at Ephesus, hence the name Ephesians. And he was writing back to talk with them. He had been there a few years before. As a matter of fact, God had done some great things there. When Paul came to the city, it was a major center for false gods. There were many false temples there. There was the great temple that was uh, dedicated to the Greek goddess Diana, which had been built by Alexander the Great, which later became one of the seven wonders of the world. So you've got a city that's full of false idols, false gods, uh, very few of any uh, followers of Christ. But Paul came to this city, and God did great things. It says the word of the Lord grew mightily. People came to Christ. People were healed. People turned from false gods. Matter of fact, so much good things were happening that some of the people who created false idols and false souvenirs to go along with the temple worship, they got angry because it was hurting their business, and they started a riot and tried to get Paul destroyed, but Paul was able to, to leave. So now Paul's writing back to this church that had seen some great things happen in the past, but he's writing back to let them know something. And if you look at your, the verse there, here's what it says. He says back to this church, 
in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, here's what he says. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And if you only remember one thing today from, this, from the talk today, I want you to remember this. The word more. Paul was writing back to this church to say, God's done some amazing things in your church in the past. But I want you to know that that's just the beginning. God has so much more that he wants to do through your church. And I believe God's a God of more. Do you believe that? I believe that the best is yet to come, that God always has more for us. This church was positioned in a city that they could really make a difference in the, in the world for Christ. They had this unique opportunity to really make an impact for God. And Paul's writing to say, hey, God's got more for you to do. And I, I think that is true of your church and in your life. God has positioned you here as a church in this city, this area, to do more for Him. You have an opportunity to really make an impact for Christ in this area, in this community. And you, as a believer of Christ, a follower of Christ, you're not where you're at by accident. God's placed you there, and He's got so much more that He wants to accomplish through your life. And so as we look at this passage, I see in this passage three keys to see God do more. And how many of you want God to do more? Raise your hand if that's you. You want God to do more. Well, we're going to look at three keys to seeing God do more. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about those from God's Word. God, thanks for this morning. This is the day that you have made. We rejoice, and we are glad in it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done in the past. Here in this church, in our lives, we are grateful for everything you've accomplished but God, we believe today that you have so much more for us to do. As a church, as a Christ follower, you have so much more you want to accomplish in us and through us. And so today I pray that as we look at this, that you would challenge us, encourage us, inspire us to stretch forward and reach for more as a church and as individual followers of you. And all of God's people said, amen. Well, the first thing I see is this, and I think if you've got notes, feel free to follow along. The first thing is this we see in this passage. We see that if you want God to accomplish more through you, then you must first allow Him to do more within you. If you look at the verse, it says, if, if you look at the verse, it says this, it says, now glory to God who's able through His mighty power at work, look at this, within us, within us. See, I believe if we're going to see God do more through us, He's first got to do more within us. You know, we spend a lot of uh, time and energy, people do all over the world, taking care of the outside, don't they? I mean, you, you, you have to take care of the outside. I have to work hard at it. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I could eat a whole bag of Oreos and not gain any weight. Now I just walk by a bag of Oreos and I gain five pounds. And I have to work hard. I, I have to go to the gym five days a week to try to work out, just to try to stay in some kind of halfway decent shape. And it's not easy. Some of you that go to the gym and you work or you run or you exercise, you know it's not easy. They call it a workout for a reason. It's work, right? And uh, you can't just go in for five minutes. You have to be there for a while. I wish my playlist for my workout songs to listen to was just one song. But unfortunately, it can't just be one song. And, 
I don't know, I have a problem. Someone asked me what my favorite machine was at the gym, and I said it's the vending machine, the Coke machine. So I don't know why I keep uh, having trouble. But it's funny, at the first of the, first of the year, you'll see the gym really packed with people. People make New Year's resolutions, and there's lots of people in there working out. <laughs> and then around January or February or March, you'll see the crowd starting to thin out. People will quit for various reasons. One lady said, I'm quitting. I'm breaking up with the gym. It's just not working out for me. You'll get that in a minute. I had another friend that I worked with that's a, that's a rancher. He farms and raises cattle, and he says, I'm going to quit working out because it's hurting my calves. <laughs> but I have another friend that's a hairdresser that's really doing well. She has the biggest biceps because she's always, she's a hairdresser. She's always doing curls, and her biceps are just huge. But we work hard to take care of the outside, don't we? I mean, we spend time shaving and trimming and Botoxing and doing this and doing that, take care of the outside. That's all good. But if we want to see God do more in our lives, we've got to let Him do more within us. What is it God wants to do more of within you? What is it you need to surrender to Him? What is it? What's the room in your heart that you've not opened up, that back room that you haven't yet surrendered to Him? Or what's that sin you're hanging on to that? that you just can't seem to let go of. And if we're going to see God do more through us, we first have to see God do more within us. You see, God doesn't want to just come in and just do a, uh, a, a rent a place in your life, just, you know, one room in your life. He wants to come in and do a total renovation. He wants to change your life. He wants to renovate your entire life. And so today, if you want to see God do more with, with through you, you first have to see Him do more within you. I remember when I was in seminary in college, I, one weekend, we would go out sometimes on weekends and speak at churches, and so a buddy, a, a friend of my, myself and a friend of I, we went to speak at this church way out in the country, a small church, and we were there for uh, Saturday, we spoke Saturday night, and we spoke Sunday, and then we'd go back to college. Well, we had the service Saturday night, and things went pretty well, but man, I was just really thirsting for God to do more. I wanted to see more people come to Christ, and so I asked the pastor, I said, hey, would you mind if tonight after the service, do you mind if I go back to the church, and I just feel like God wants me to stay there and just pray, pray through the night, and if, if you'll just let me back into church, I'll just go in the back room in the church, and I just feel God wants me to be there just to pray, and pray that God will do something tomorrow morning in the service, and he said, sure, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be great, so, so uh, I was staying at the hotel, and my buddy was there at the hotel, so... Yeah, the pastor came, picked me up, took me to the church, little country church up on a hill, and he, uh, he let me in the church about 11 o'clock at night, and he shut the door. Well, I went in that little back room and turned the light on, and man, I started praying, God, please do something tomorrow. Please move in this place. God, do a revival, bring revival, and you know, 11, 12, around 1 o'clock in the morning, I noticed these lights starting to flash through the windows of this little room I'm in from the outside, and they look like uh, red and blue lights, and I thought, this is unusual, and church can be a scary place at night. If you've ever been there alone, it can be a scary place, so I guess kind of nervous there, but I, I saw those lights, and so I, I came out of that little room and walked through that little country church, and I, I stepped out the front door, and as soon as I did, these three police cars came zooming up to the, uh, the front of the church, and the police jumped out and stuck their guns up and said, hands up! 
And I was like, uh, what's going on? They said, there's been a lot of break-ins around churches here recently. People breaking in, stealing sound systems. Are you here to break in this church? Hands up. And I was like, no, I'm, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm praying. <laughs> I can say they were like, yeah, right. Because I, ha- I had jeans on and I wasn't dressed, you know, like a pastor at the time would be. And they said, get your hands up. And they said, do you have any ID? I had left my ID at the hotel. So finally, I convinced him to call the pastor, and he came up there. By now, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and he was not real happy to see me. (laughs) But here's what I learned from that. When the police say, hands up, what do you do? You do this. Or if you're in a war and your army loses or you have to surrender, what do you do? You do that, and that's a sign of surrender. And I wonder when we worship, many times we hold our hands up. We are saying, God, I surrender to you. And I would say today that if you want to see God do more through you, it's going to start by holding your hands up and say, God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my way of doing things to you. I surrender my dreams, my plans. I surrender to you. Are you willing today, if you want to see God do more through you, then you're first going to have to say, God, I surrender. I want you to do more within me. Here's the second thing. If you look at the verse, it says this. It says, now, all glory to God who's able through his mighty power to do more, accomplish infinitely more than we might. Can you bring up, bring up the one where the ask is highlighted? The verse says, more than we could ask. So I would say, secondly, this is verses telling us that if you want to see God do more, then you have to ask Him for more. God says you have not because you, what? Ask not. And so I would say if you want to see God do more, then you have to ask Him. You know when someone says to you, hey, I've got some good news and some bad news, which one do you want to hear first? How many of you usually say, I want the good news first? Anybody like that? Who, who says, I want the bad news first? kind of like the teenager who called his dad and said, Dad, I got some good news and some bad news. He said, well, uh, give me the good news first. He said, well, that our new car, you let me drive, the, the airbags work. <laughs> that's, that's the good news. Or you heard about the two guys who were, who they loved to play baseball. They got up in years, they still love to play baseball, and they made a promise, whoever dies first, when they get to heaven, if there's baseball there, we hope there's baseball in heaven. If there's baseball then come back in a vision and tell the other person that's living that, yes, there's baseball in heaven. There's good news. We can play baseball in heaven. So they were up in years, and one of the fellows passed away. Well, the other guy, you know, about a year later, he was asleep, and all of a sudden he woke up, and his friend had came back from heaven and was standing there. And he was saying, guess what, buddy? What we love is in heaven. I got some good news. There's baseball in heaven. He said, that's awesome. He said, but I got some bad news. You're up to pitch next Tuesday. <laughs> And I have some bad news for you today. You can't do more by yourself. You can't do more through your own power. You can't heal your marriage through your own strength. You can't get that financial need met that you need through your own strength. You can't overcome that sin that so easily betakes you by your own strength. But here's the good news. God is able. That verse says that God is 
able to do more. The good news is you have an awesome, powerful God who is able to do whatever you need if you simply ask Him. The word able there comes from the word dunamis or dynamite, God's power. He's able to do more if you'll just ask Him to do that and bring Him what you need and ask Him to meet that need. When I was a young kid in about third grade, I had a paper route, a newspaper route. After school, I would get my newspapers, and I would fold them up, and I had my little bike, and I had my little basket, and I would put the papers in the basket, and I would ride through the neighborhood delivering those newspapers after school every day. Well, one of the places that I went to deliver the papers was an apartment complex, and this was a college town, so they're a university town. So this particular uh, apartment complex was full of college students. They were mean. When it snowed, I would be delivering my papers. There it snowed probably three or four times a year. And when it snowed, I would go in there delivering my papers. And these college kids were mean. They would come out of their apartments, and they would make snowballs, and they would just, like, bombard me with snowballs. This little third-grade boy trying to knock me off my bike, and they would. They'd knock me down. I'd get knocked off my bike, hard to deliver the papers. And, man, it was just, I got to where I was scared to go in there. I thought, i got to do something. These people are just too big for me. They're too strong for me. I can't match these big college kids. I'm scared to take my papers in there. Well, I figured something out. I had a next-door neighbor named Kenny. Kenny was a senior in, in high school. He was like 17 or 18. He was the starting baseball pitcher for the largest high school in town. The dude could throw like 90 miles an hour. He could have pitched for the Blue Jays, the Blue, the Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays. He could have pitched for them. He was that fast. And I went to Kenny, and I said, Kenny, dude, I'm going to these apartment complexes, and these, these, these college kids are killing me. They're bombing me. Please, can you help me? And he said, I'll be glad to. Well, the next time it snowed, I got on my little bicycle, and Kenny hung behind me on his big 10-speed, you know, about, a, about 50, 60 places back. And I got in the apartment complex, and sure enough, here they come. Ah, let's get the little kid. They started bombing with snowballs, and I all of a sudden yelled out, true story. I yelled out, Kenny, help! And all of a sudden, here comes Kenny. And these college kids were met with 90-mile-an-hour fastball snowballs that had deadly accuracy. He bombed them. They all went back in their apartments and never bothered me again. True story. And I want you to know today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what problem you're facing, no matter what challenge you're facing, you have a big, strong God who's ready to help you and do more for you if you'll simply call out and say, God, help. And he'll show up and he'll do what you cannot do. He can make the impossible possible. He's able. He's able to do more if you simply ask him to. The last thing is this. The third thing is this. If you want to see God do more, then you must have the courage to go on a new adventure with Him. If you want to see God do more, you must have the courage to go on a new adventure with Him. If you look at the verse, it says this. It says, glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask. Here's the word, or think or think. What is the dream that God's put in your heart? What's that vision God placed in you? 
What have you been thinking about that God wants you to do? But you've been afraid to take that step and do it? What's that business adventure that you've been thinking about starting, but you've been kind of hesitant? Or your marriage, you feel like it's, it's about over, and you've been thinking, how can we see this healed? You've been thinking about it and dreaming that it could be better. Or that child that's away from God, that's estranged from you, and you've been thinking how I would long to see them come back to God and our relationship to be mended. You've been thinking about that. But you've been afraid to step out and go on that adventure. Or that mission trip, the church I'm sure has mission trips, and you've been thinking, God's kind of dropped in your spirit a desire to go on a mission trip or step out of your comfort zone or do something you've never done before. You've been thinking about it, but you don't know if you can do it. Well, I want you to know God says if you want to see me do more, then you got to think and you got to dream and know that I am able to help you accomplish that dream, that vision that God has placed inside you. You know, it's easy to get stuck in the past. It's easy to settle for what's happened in the past, but God says, i got so much more for you. It's easy for a church to get stuck in the past and be praise God for things that have, been, that have happened in the past. It's obvious God's done great miracles and great things here, but let me ask you, are you going to be satisfied with the past, or are you going to say, no, God's got more for us as a church. God's got a new adventure He wants us to go on, and we're going to think about it, and we're going to pray about it, and we're going to step out in faith. And some of you, you may feel like you've plateaued in your Christian walk and you think, is there anything else? I want to go to the next level with God. You've been thinking about it. God says, step out and trust me and take that step. A new adventure can be scary. A, a change can be scary. I think about the story of David and Goliath. You know that story. Here's this big challenge. David comes on the scene and everybody is afraid. They know what they should do, but they're afraid to take that step and do it. David comes in there, and all of a sudden, God drops in his spirit. Then I want you to do more. You're able to defeat that giant. And David steps out. When everybody else is afraid, David steps out and trusts God with that vision. He has courage to step out with that vision. And we know what God did. I was thinking, I guarantee you some money got lost on that fight. I guarantee there were some guys on the side over there betting on that one. I put 20 on Goliath. I put 100 on Goliath. Guarantee some money was lost on that fight because we know what happened. Uh, they, the, the Bible, there's a word very interesting there for Goliath. If you go back and look in 1 Samuel 17, it, it refers to Goliath several times as the champion, the champion of the Philistines. There arose a champion. In man's terms, he was the ultimate warrior. In man's strength and power, he was the ultimate champion. But we know who won. David won. You know why? Because David was more than a champion. Because when you've got God on your side and when you're willing to step out in courage, you become more than a champion. You become a victor for Christ. And so I would encourage you to honor the past, but don't get stuck in the past. Be willing to step out in a new adventure that God's calling you to because God has so much more that he wants for you. Sometimes your knees are going to be knocking, but go ahead and step out anyways. I was at a camp with my son up in California, and this, we were doing a, a course together, a ropes course, and there was a group of us. 
And one of the things we did is we climbed up this pole, like a telephone pole, way up, and it was high. It was probably as high as the top of that screen up there, and you had to climb up there. And then when you got to the top, you had to stand on top of that pole. And there was a, uh, there was a rope about four feet out, and you had to jump off of that pole and grab that rope to get down. Now, obviously, you were harnessed in. If you failed, you would have been caught. But it was scary. I mean, I got up there, and it was like, you're that high up just on a little pole, man. It's scary. And then you look out, and you, you realize you've got to jump out and grab that rope, and you don't know if you're going to make it or you're going to miss it, what's going to happen. I know it'll catch me, but it's still scary thinking I'm going to fall. And it was scary. Well, there was one guy with us. He got up to the top there, and, and the instructor said, okay, count to three and then jump. And he, he went, got up there to the top, and he was, one, he said, one, two, one, two. For 10 minutes, he kept doing that. One, two, and hold him back. Finally, 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 he said three and jumped. And some of you, you're standing there. God's given you this vision. God's given you this dream. You've been thinking about it. But you're going one, two, and you're afraid to take that jump. Listen, jump. God's got you. He's got you harnessed in. He's going to catch you. He's going to help you accomplish what he's asking you to do. Let me tell you this, and we'll, we'll close our time together. I've seen a lot of examples of people that decided, you know what, God's got more. One that I'll never forget is years ago when I just got out of seminary, I went with a friend to help start a church in Southern California, right outside of Los Angeles. We came to the city. We didn't know anybody. The only place we could find to meet was a bingo parlor. Seriously, we would come in. They had bingo on Saturday night. We'd come in on Sunday morning and clear all the smoke out, and we would have church there. God began to bless the church. We finally were able to get a building after a few years. And so I will never forget, we were in this, in this building, in the office building. I was sitting there on a weekday, and in my office I could see the parking lot, and this, I saw this Cadillac pull in the parking lot. I mean one of those old Cadillacs that's like a mile long, that's like a boat. It pulled in the parking lot, and behind the steering wheel, you could barely see, there was a little old lady driving that Cadillac, and you could barely see her over the steering wheel. She pulled in, and she got out. And it was obvious she had a wig on. You know, you've ever seen, if you wear wigs, that's, I'll probably wear a wig if I need to one day. But it's obvious sometimes, like, oh, that's a wig. It was obvious she had a wig on. And she got out. She was, had to be in her 80s, little old lady. And she started staring at the back of the parking lot. And I, I was like, what is she doing? She just kept staring at the back of the parking lot. So I got out of my office. I went out there and said, hey, I'm Dale. I'm one of the pastors here. And I see you pulled in and you're looking at something. How, how can I help you? She said, well, my name's Betty, and uh, I got a question for you. Is, is that a bus? Is that a bus? Is that an auto bus back there? I said, yes, ma'am. This was years ago. This was 30 years ago. In the United States, a lot of churches would send out buses in the community to pick up kids that didn't go to church, and they'd bring them to church on those buses. And that's what we were doing years ago. We were, we'd send out that bus to pick up kids that didn't go to church and bring them into church so they could hear about Jesus and hopefully their parents would also eventually come and accept Christ. She said, do you use that bus to pick up kids for church? I said, yes, ma'am, we do. She said, that's interesting. I go to so-and-so church down the street, and years ago, 
we used to do that. And I used to ride on that bus, and I used to go out and pick up little boys and girls and tell them about Jesus and bring them to church, and I loved it. But we don't, we don't do that anymore. I said, well, yes, we do it. Yes, ma'am, we do do it. And so she got in her car, and she left. A couple weeks later on a Sunday morning, I was out greeting people coming in for church, and that big Cadillac pulled in the parking lot on a Sunday morning. Betty got out, and she came and attended service that day. She kept coming, kept coming. Eventually, she joined the church. And I'll never forget one day after the service, I was greeting people as they were leaving, and Betty, on her way out, said, she pulled me to the side and said, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. She said, you know those buses? She said, uh, I'm going to start riding those buses again. I was like, now, Betty, wait a minute. You're in your 80s. I I'm thankful for your heart, but you're in your 80s. It gets very hot here in the summer, and I don't want you to have a heart attack. Those bus, that bus has no air conditioning. I don't want you to have a heart attack and, and die, and you got to climb up those stairs to get on there, and those kids are kids. They're energetic. I said, I don't know if this is the best place for you to serve. Maybe we can find you another place. She said, I'm going to do it, and you're not going to stop me. She was a good stubborn that way. And you know what? She did. I'd watch as that precious little lady would climb up those stairs and get on that bus. And I'd see that bus come back in, and she'd be surrounded by little girls, her arms around them, telling them about Jesus, loving them, sharing Jesus with them, sweat just pouring out from underneath that wig. And she kept riding that bus in her 80s. Fast forward a little while, and I'm at the church on a weekday again, and a big Cadillac pulls in. It was obviously Betty again. And I went outside, and I said, hey, Betty, how's it going? She said, I've been thinking about something. She said, there's another part of town over here that there's a lot of kids that don't know Jesus. And I've been thinking, if we had another bus, could we take that bus over to that part of town and reach some more kids for Jesus? I said, yeah, we, I'm sure we could, but, you know, we're a new church. don't have a lot of finances. She said, I've been thinking about that. She said, I want to show you something. She said, come here. She took me around to the back of that big, giant Cadillac, and she popped open the trunk. And as the trunk raised inside was the most incredible collection of antique dolls I've ever seen. She said, these are my dolls. I've been saving these for decades. They're worth thousands of dollars. All of them still in the boxes, brand new. She said, I've been thinking that maybe God wants me to take those dolls and sell them so some more kids can hear about Jesus, so we can buy another bus and reach even more kids for Jesus. And I said, Betty, that's a, man, I don't want to ask you to do that. Those are your dolls. You've collected them. She said, my husband told me I couldn't do it, but he don't, but he don't tell me what to do. She was a good stubborn that way. And she did it. She took those dolls and she sold them. And we bought another bus and she was able to help us reach more people for Jesus. Betty taught me, no matter how old you are, even if you're in your 80s, God's still got more for you to do. He's got more for you to do if you'll simply allow Him and you'll surrender what you have to Him. If you'll ask Him, God, please do more. And if you will allow Him to do that through you, He'll do incredible things. And then you simply go on that adventure with Him. God is able to do more than you could ever ask or think 
if you'll simply open your life to Him. Would you say more with me? I believe that's what God has for you as a church and you as an individual follower of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything you've done at this amazing church. Story after story could be told about what's happened in the past. But we know that you have more stories to be written. You have new chapters to be written. And God, I pray that we would always be, as a church, looking to the future, embracing change, embracing new adventures that you might have for us. And I thank you for each Christ follower here today. Some have been discouraged. Some of them have wondered, does God have more for me? Is he done with me? Is my marriage over? Are my finances? God, today, encourage them and help them to know that you have more for them, that you're a God of more, that they'll simply surrender and allow and ask you that you will do more than we could ever ask or think. Not according to our power, but according to your power that works within us. We pray these things in the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen.